Welcome back to another episode of Ball Watching. We are on a marathon of a week here, Justin, with just content after content after content. The games are are free-flowing, and we're not done yet. We've got a dual episode today for you all, a recap of last night's win against FC Dallas 2-1, as well as a preview uh, coming up for the S-Words as we head to Kansas City. Uh, and take them on this weekend it's going to be a, you know renewed r- rivalry you know obviously two of three games this year yeah i would say we can say we can we can break the s words remember for the recaps and the that is true years, it's sporting we're playing we lifting we are we lifting yep we're lifting it for now i love it all right but before we get into sporting of it all justin let's talk about last night fc dallas it was a really interesting game one that i think i said it was going to be weird and i think the way that red card happened so early on in the game obviously things changed significantly uh so how would you describe this game in one word i'm gonna go with gripping like, for multiple reasons i do i do think that it was it was a very weird game but with that i was kind of on the edge of my seat for a lot of it um with the chances that we had and then the late goals and obviously everything was coming to a culmination there, not only our goals, but theirs as well. And then physically I was gripping my fists when we let in that goal. It's one of those. And we'll touch about it, talk about it in the lowlights, the Berkey thing is we, he cleans it up 99 times out of hundred one slips. Thank God that we are already up two to one. The man has saved us in so many games. So one mistake, get over it. Yeah. I'm going to go with a, a word hyphenated and another word. So we're going to count it as one word in this one. But I'm just going to it nail biter. I said it was going to be close. It was going to be very nervy coming down to it. I didn't imagine it to be in that in that way that it happened, but it was a nail biter for sure. Once they, we got the red card, and we'll just hop into the highlights here. Obviously, that early red card comes in the 12th minute. Just a gift of a of a play for City to take advantage of to play against now a not a 10 man Dallas for basically the entirety of this game. The, the red card, it, some people were like, yeah, you know, it, he didn't mean to, that, that's, that's not the call though. The call is if you handle the box with your hand outside the box, that's a red card. Uh, I mean, so it's just, you're, you're denying, you know, play. So uh, I don't think that was very controversial, but unfortunately I, I felt for that goalkeeper, but you know what, for us, I think it ultimately ended up being the difference maker despite our slow, slow first half. Oh, I completely agree. I think, and right after that, so one, having playing up an extra guy in that long of a game is huge for us. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't put him away even more um, and rip another. We should have scored way earlier than what we did, but we'll talk about that later too. But I would say 12 minutes later, they they had a great chance after, I mean, we'll talk, it's a low light that with the Parker giveaway, but Berkey just one-on-one point blank gets big, doesn't get too, doesn't get down too fast, makes a huge save in the 24th. Two minutes later, Sam and Dinneran was uh, played over top and drives a goal unless one rip uh, just over the bar as well. So I like seeing Sam get downhill. Three minutes after that, we had an AZ shot ripped uh, from the goalie from distance. I think it was with his left, too. It was actually a pretty good shot. Um, and, I mean, we had a couple chances that we continued to have even throughout the rest of the half. Yeah, they were kind of – I would describe them as half chances on, on on this first half. They were nothing that was glaring that I would even – I don't even know. I could look at the stats, but nothing that I would call a big chance – in the first half, and I think that was a combination of we were definitely shooting from long. That was, I think, something that was probably mentioned in the pre- in the lead up to this game from Carnell and staff. And I also think that we just missed some of that final pass, that person finding the perfect position to be able to be situated for that for that really quality shot. Uh, and that was just kind of the nature of our attack first half. It wasn't for lack of trying. It was just you're missing the final piece. It felt like through the first half, and then tangentially, our defense was not not on the board in the first half and there was giveaways some uncharacteristic giveaways we looked frail really frail in the back and i'm glad 
that halftime brought a big change to this team. That I will say this too. That starting eleven was so uninspiring to me. I, I it just felt we we've gotten flush with these these new talent, these new faces, these new guys that bring different things to this team. And unless it's a rotation play ahead of Saturday, and Car- and Carnell wanted to kind of rest his big hand for Sporting, uh, I don't I don't really get it personally because I I disagree with a couple of those starting eleven guys. I would agree. I think I think it is probably one of those things that he's looking ahead to Saturday, knowing it's going to be a tough game in Kansas City, a team that's trying to make a playoff push. It's a big rivalry. It's going to be our derby game Saturday night, first time in Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the preview. The bench is so deep, so I was happy he went to it. Noticed that it wasn't working the first half. Brings on Thorson, Indy, and Markinick, which obviously Markinick and Indy, or sorry, Markinick and Thorson being the goal scorers if you count Markinick's. So it was a great transition for them right off it in the second half. And one thing that almost took the air out of it completely and made me hold my breath was that O'Brien, that thing when Berkey got the ball, he was going to launch it with his arm. And then instead he decides to go for a half side volley. And O'Brien comes in and just being just awful. And he gets right in front of it. Like I'm surprised Roman didn't get hurt. He swung fully through it and was very ready to do that side volley. And O'Brien just should have gotten a red card, in my opinion. Walks away with nothing. I don't think he got anything. I think he just got a warning. I thought I, he got or, a yellow. Or was a foul. Did he get a yellow on that? Because yeah. that was ridiculous. I, I mean, God forbid, if he'd have gotten hurt there on that stupid play, what a bonehead that O'Brien guy was. I mean, should have been sent home. What an absolute O'Brien. tool. Yeah, I said O'Brien. Oh he, did, he did get a yellow, though. Uh, so otherwise, second half, I think, was the turn. And I think a lot of that because the subs, because the subs were made forwards, midfield, and defense. And I think, honestly, all three of those guys were upgrades. And I have no hate on Jared Stroud or Kyle Hebert or or really anyone that was in that starting 11. I just think that we needed something different in this game, and that's what we got, an inje- injection of talent and some quality into um, the, this second half team. Because Indy, I think, came on, and this guy was ready and reeling to make an impact on this game. And you could see it. He was you know, delivering great service. He was connecting well with his teammates. He was generating offensive chances. He was really, I wrote this down, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. You, you feel like his name got called by Carnell, and he's like, I'm, I'm ready to seize this, and you should never take now the starting 11 again. Oh, no, I completely agree. And I think he did very well to connect with AZ. They created creativity, and then they swung it outside to Thor, uh, Thorson, who was also, I thought, had an incredible second half, um, which was the only half that he played. But I think AZ had a couple shots. We have one for him in the 60th already. Um, or sorry, AZ finds Indy, one of the connecting pieces, and Indy rips a shot there. And then we have just a pot of the one positive. I think we only have on Yarrow here, putting clamps down on the F, uh, FC Dallas attack um, and kind of just making sure that we're holding ground there. And like, I don't know why we're giving up chances at all this late in the game, but it gets there. And then AZ's shot in the 69th minute, it was off of that like poorly headed clearance by them. I think it might've been off a corner or is a, uh, or it's just a ball whipped in. He almost had his back to the goal. Yeah. I rewatched it a couple of times. He like hits it, turns and it's dipping right into the upper corner, just goes over the bar, maybe a little wide, but wow, that would have been incredible. Incredible. Second half, we were we, we basically zeroed them in and into their own half. They were sealed, maybe a couple small chances here and there, but mostly that was our half to win, and we did. We got on the board. We got Klaus into the game in the 70th minute, kind of switched our formation to more of a 4-3-3. Uh, Thorson really getting involved as well. Uh, and then in the 82nd minute, we finally have our breakthrough. Um, there was a deflected cross in, and Markinick actually did get his knee on it. They did give him the goal after the oh. review and everything. So okay. he did claim it. He came out in the press conference as well and said, it hit my knee. I'm not kidding. Like, it is my goal. So there's a debut goal. Not Sorry, not a debut goal, but there's a second you know, appearance for the team goal. Amazing for him. So happy for Anthony Markinek. And then we get right back on the board again while we're just piling it on the 84th minute, a beautiful, 
beautiful swung and cross from Leuven. Klaus, I'm up in the air on whether or not I feel like he 100% was knowing what he was doing with the whole dummy. It looked good. It definitely looked good, and I'm going to buy that, definitely. But he lets it go by him, and he definitely makes a flail at it. I don't know if it was a purposeful miss or just a miss, but either way, it does the job, and it gets to the back post where Thorson kind of saw this coming the whole way, kind of got his own little space carved out and just tucked it in you know, near post. Very clean, tidy finish, and there's another guy. You know, he's now he's, I think, played twice for us. And there's his 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 first goal of the campaign. I mean, great to see these guys get off the board and carrying us two subs, right? Like you talk right. about sub impact that there it is right there. I think Klaus's dummy was purposeful because I have a feeling Thorson called for it. Like he's I mean, he was so wide open in the back of that. And wow, that finish. I watched that a couple times, too. That was just a ping just sliding just flat on the ground. No bounce, just right into the corner. Great finish by him. We have one more chance in the 90th minute. Uh, Leuven slips in Ostrock. He beats the defender, good with speed there. Takes Doesn't see the defender coming. No one yelled wolf, and he tries to beat the goalie. And he would have dribbled the goalie, but the defender came back, tracked him back. I think it was just one too many touches. He could have got a shot off if he would have known the defender was coming. But the only other highlight I had was the 90th plus three. There's through ball, and Berkey was quick off his line, quick off his line to cut down that angle, which – Unfortunately, two minutes later was the downfall. Yeah, which which we'll get to right here. In, th- in this game, for me, let, let's go to lowlights first before I do a quick pulling of some stats here. But okay. lowlights, we've kind of already glossed over some of them. Definitely some ball watching going on in the very beginning of this game. D-line wasn't either chatting. They, they weren't looking over their shoulders. Guys are slipping in between them and running the channels. Um, we were wasteful on our set pieces. I, I felt at least, especially in the first half, that Parker giveaway in the 25th minute was rough. I mean, usually he can use his physicality to get out of those situations. That one didn't work out for him, unfortunately. And thank God Roman Berkey is who he is, and he's saving that goal. Um, a great, great chance for them. Sloppy giveaways, just some things that were uncharacteristic. I feel like we just didn't have our composure through most of the first half defensively, and the offense was kind of sputtering. So just for me, it was not a good half overall for the team, but we cleaned it up. New new guys come in. We did, you know, I'm sure Carnell had some had some choice words for the team in the second half, and he got the job done. Yeah, and I think we looked a lot better in the second half defensively. I think the really only downfall, not downfall, the only low light that I really remember is 76 and Pound and Call just making us look pretty oh dumb. Oh, my but, God. I mean, I don't know. The guys were couldn't decide if they wanted to stand up slide. No one knew what to do. It's like we were just like – never played soccer before when he was making that run, but that was really the only downfall of our defense. And then the 90th plus five, we talked about it. There was a cross that came in. Rome cleans that up. He holds on to that literally 99 out of a hundred times. He knows it too. He's pissed and they just slot an easy goal home. I think that had 0.8 XG for them. Yeah. Just that one specifically, because it was right there open net. Right. But yeah, yeah, I was really XG, bummed. XG, XG guy, but I was really bummed for him. We talked about how much a clean sheet would mean to him and to blow it that way. And so personally, uh, I do not think, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Every every goalie has that in their locker. That's going to happen. It comes for everyone. It's a matter of time. And usually then it's very few and far between once you have one of those moments. So I think this for him is honestly a good thing. Even I could say that right now because I feel like that will light his fire a little bit more to make sure that he's super clean and super, you know, soft hands and very safe um, as we finish out the rest of the season. So, you know, that's a good time to make your mistake when there's literally three seconds left in the game because they blew the whistle right after that. I rewatched it. Alm literally was turning around as the ball was coming in, almost turning around to sprint upfield to get ready for a counter. Like he, everyone yep. thought that Rome just had it cleared. And I know not the guys didn't stick with their runners very much, but it's yeah. hard when you get so used to that. I think that they learned from that as well, Jake. I agree. It's not, a, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the better times for this two to happen, yep. getting close to the end of the season, already up 2-0. But 
it, it should help Yarrow and Parker remember like, hey, we're not we can't just rely on Roman. Like we got to stick with our own guys as well. The takeaway for me for this game was a very different game for us in terms of possession. We had two thirds of it. Not much of it I would deem very threatening. We only had two big chances we we generated. We finished both of them, fortunately. So there's an element of ruthlessness there. We had 22 shots, though. And I really don't remember us really challenging them in terms of just peppering them with opportunities until very, very late in the game. So I think that's on Carnell and, and, and coaching staff to find a way in these rare circumstances where we're playing a team that's just going to concede it entirely or, you know, in a 10-man type game like we had against Dallas where they're going to give us the ball, basically kind of park the bus and say, you try to beat us. We have yet, I feel like, to find that correct solution around that and be very comfortable uh, being able to figure it out. But you know what? We figured it out last night. It took a while. It took subs. But I will give kudos to the team and to the coaching staff because that could have easily been a 0-0 draw and very, very painful to end um, before you go on a, on a road trip. So I was very, very happy to get the three points. I don't care how it looked, 2-1, 2-0, doesn't matter. That's three points, and I'm, I'm feeling very, very happy with that win. Yeah, I would say that it looks like would you, if you just looked at the stats, you could have guessed that we had three or four goals, 22 shots, with only six of them being on, on target. But I will say one thing that may be the first time ever this season, Jake, we had two big chances, and we didn't miss either of them. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I know it's a very specific stat. You can call what you want a big chance or not, but I'm happy to see that number. That means we tidied up what we needed to. But, yeah, just in general, just to kind of sum it up, second half, way better than the first half. I think it was with Dallas getting tired, being down a guy, the subs coming in already made a huge difference. We definitely missed the class holder play. And I think we're getting that back slowly. And then Leuven, I think is probably the star of the game again. Um, it's just one of those guys that does so much and gets guys in oh and plays God. balls and kind of owns the midfield. And I, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about him. And it's made clear by the player ratings. I, he was far and away, I think, our best performer last night. It's just these last couple of games, ever since he's kind of returned from injury and from League's Cup, he's been getting more and more consistent and more and more involved in the game. So, I, I mean, he has been magnificent for us, and he was last night as well. Uh, I think Blum was also pretty cut quietly good last night doing – a little bit of the pivot job with Leuven and cleaning up a lot of the trash in behind. Uh, I think he had a pretty decent game as well. The back line overall, I would say, fared okay. The center backs, I'd probably point at, were better than the fullbacks. Uh, I, I look at Hebert, and I, I think Hebert, looking at Markinek now, it, it's legit competition. It, it's it's no longer a wait and see. We only saw a small sample size. I think it's a it's Markinek's position, if you're asking me, until Hebert says otherwise. I think Markinick starts on Saturday, yep. in my opinion. Sure. I completely agree. I think you kind of lock him in there. I thought Roman had a pretty decent game as well. Actually, I'd, I'd still give him a B plus. I mean, it's one bad mistake. Maybe just a flat B because of the bad mistake. If that's if that's how we lose or tie a game, that would have really stunk. But I thought he did great with some 1v1s. I would say midfields and forwards, we created some chances, but the bench guys did better than starters, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I think Adenarin was a little sleepy on the game. I think AZ took to the second half until he really clicked in. Part of that was probably people he was playing with. And wasn't a, the best night for Stroud, obviously, being subbed off at that. But Alm, I feel like, was really the driving force between both halves. I think he had a great game. And I, I do think that he's locked in as that, that right-wing guy going forward, no matter who's playing around him. So, Justin, let's wrap this up. We, I had 1-0 prediction as my as mine for a win. It was really close to hitting that. You had 3-0. You were also pretty close in doing that. We split on our bets, right? You had the city over one and a half. Obviously, that hit. I had both teams to score. No. And that was looking really freaking good until the 94th minute with 57 seconds on the clock. Uh, but I also had 
um, City first half money line, which didn't hit either. So it was a cold night for me, uh, but you made a little bit of money there. Yeah, I hammered the over one and a half for City specifically, sprinkled on Dallas under a half goal. So just as close with you, I mean, literally the last kick of the game. So whatever. What? Are, where do we go from here? We're going straight into it now. Oh, yeah. We're going into sporting. Justin, give us a quick purview into magic number. Yep. So with this win, obviously, it's going to help our numbers. We now have 47 points, current points per match of 1.81. We have eight games remaining. So we would have a projected points for the rest of season if we hold that speed at 14. Now, what numbers do we need to get into the playoffs? Magic number just to get into the wild card ninth spot. I have it as negative one, Jake, which means technically as of right now, we've clinched it. But I will, but I will say, obviously, still a lot of moving parts. But you would think with forty-seven points, we're getting in. I, I'm almost shocked. I'd be absolutely shocked if we don't. Yeah. Um, and then getting into the first round without home without home field advantage, the seventh spot is just two points, and then home field advantage, the fourth spot, is only four points away. So we're seeing these numbers kind of trickle down. I really do. I still, I'm holding strong with. If we get to fifty-two points, we're we're locked. And, and I just feel comfortable with that. And as we get closer, people that want to poke holes in this say, well, it's not the same. That's the point. The mathematical version isn't fun to look at until I think you get closer and closer to the end here. So we can pull that in here too, meaning the max points available to get. So Justin also has that. So we'll bring that in here as we get closer. But really the points per match shows you all things pretty holding constant, which is a fair-ish assumption to make. We're already in the playoffs and that's in the wild card right now. It would take a miracle in the Western Conference for us not at this point. Uh, but right now, I think it's onwards and upwards for us. We want to lock our spot into round one spot and then also into the home field as well. So it's it's for us, keep moving forward. Don't get caught up in the, is it mathematically possible? That's not the point, right? Everything's possible. If we want to talk about mathematically possible, we have those numbers, Jake. It's if we need to... If, if we assume that everyone wins out the rest of the season, that's why we can't do this yet because it's still way too it's, large. Yeah, it's too it's, much. We would need 13 points for just the wild card spot. That would put us at 50 to be in the wild card. That's not going to happen, which I mean, no. there's just absolutely no chance because no, everyone can't win. So mathematically, this is the best way to look at it. It's points for match. Yep, I agree. I agree. So let's jump into sport in here, Justin. I'm skipping over some of the history. They've been a club around since 1996. Uh, some STL connections from sporting. Uh, Ezra Armstrong from City 2 last year is at uh, USL Swope Park Rangers. Um, he at least has played there, and I, I think he's there with their number two team now um, as well. But Nico and Lucas Bartlett also from the KC area-ish. I know they're they're now full-blooded St. Louisans. I think they're going to shun that history. I'm going to take I'm going to take a quick second on this when I was looking this up. Nico has a nuts history. Moved to Italy when he yep. was 8, came back to the US Maryland when he was 12, then moved to France when he was 15 and played soccer there and didn't come back to the US until he was with Orlando in 2022. Yep. And then Bartlett had a hell of a high school career. Four-year varsity starter, senior year uh Kansas Gatorade player of the year, All-American honors and defensive player of the year for the state. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean that's cool stats for for Bartlett. I I would be shocked to see him feature, but uh, I think he did feature in the last leg that we had with KC. And so KC, obviously we have played them. We won 4-0 on May 21st. It feels like eons ago now. Leuven had a penalty goal, and I think Indy drew that penalty. Indy had two goals, both well taken. And then Nico had a goal to kind of be the closer there. It was a classic St. Louis win. And when I say that, KC dominated possession, even had some good XG. Berkey played really well. We pressed relentlessly, forced them into mistakes, and we finished very unapologetically. So it was a great route of a game to have that first installment of this rivalry um, with, with sporting. But since then, they've only lost four matches. 
uh, since that game. So they've kind of righted the ship, but a lot of those haven't been wins. There have been a lot of draws. So they haven't been losing. They just haven't been conceding even more and going further down into the Western Conference. I think they were bottom when we played them. They were really, really suffering. Uh, but fun fact time, Justin. I was doing some digging on, on these opponents today and just kind of scrolling through some of the content on sporting. I think they've made more mentions calling themselves the soccer capital of America than goals they've scored this season. It's incredible. I know why they want to be steal the copyright from these guys now. It's because they're going to use it in every other social media post they put on there. It is absurd. Like, literally go scroll through Twitter. They name everything after the soccer capital of America. It's embarrassing. My last thing I want to say here, and I'll, I'll let you go on here, Justin, is these guys, the, the, it, it, it bugs the crap out of me. And, and I'm sure that's kind of what it's meant to do. But it's a self-proclaimed nickname. It, did you see Hard Knocks with, with Aaron Rodgers kind of rubbing up it against that New York Giants guy? And they were kind of having a little scuffle between them. And Rodgers kind of gets pushed after a play. He's like, hey, man, what's up with that? And they kind of go jawing back and forth. And it's really funny. And then Rodgers basically, after that, goes the next play, throws a touchdown. And he goes kind of in that guy's face. And, and he and he's like, how hey, you like that? And the guy's like, and they got jawing back and forth. He's like, I don't even know you. I don't even know who you are. I've never even heard of you. That is kc claiming to be something they're not like they're trying to say like that they're a soccer capital it's like have you looked in any history books done any bit of research you guys have been in the league since 1996 and we've done and set these records and and i think become a better story than they ever have been so it's hilarious they're they're denying that by just stealing these copyrights it's awesome i love how fired up you get about this we're gonna have to run some polite socials this week on uh just some banter back and forth with kansas city people but let's talk directly and how they are doing this season uh 26 points 7 11 and 8 win loss draws and they're 11th in the west so currently outside of the playoffs only two spots outside so that's why it's still going to be a push for them home record they're six five and two away record one six and six so obviously way better at the home at home for them but still pretty much 500 at home so still not a great team goals for they have 34, and that's seventh in the Western Conference. Goals against, they have 35. That's fifth most in the Western Conference. So they have a minus one goal differential, which explains why they're 7, 11, and 8. Um, some of the key results with their four strongest teams in the most recent game, a draw at Philadelphia, 0-0, a loss at New England, 2-1, a one nothing win, and a 2-1 win uh, versus at Seattle, and then a 1-1 one, one draw versus at LAFC and a 2-1 loss versus LAFC and a 3-0 win against the San Jose Earthquakes. And that was their most recent game. So a lot of these, like, the strongest teams they played have been losses or draws except for Seattle. They have Seattle's number somehow. They do. They definitely do. And we have a segment here on the Magic Number, Justin, but just for time, basically the summary here is they have a hell of a lot of work to do if they're going to make their way into the playoffs, yep. you know, sitting so far deep in the Western Conference. So – Top players for them haven't really changed much from last time. Alan Polito is is their striker, their main man up top, 32-year-old Mexican designated player. He's got a couple, uh, about 20 caps, five goals from the Mexican national team. He missed all of last season, but this, this season, 10 goals, one assist, basically leads the team in all attacking categories, finishing all runs through Alan Polito. Johnny Russell is their captain. He's a Scottish designated player, uh, actually really exciting winger to watch. He's He embodies everything about what Peter Vermees tries to do with Sporting Kansas City. Speed, energy, intensity, has great attacking threat, can finish with four goals, three assists this season. And then Daniel Shalloui, uh, who is their um, other winger, and he's 27-year-old Hungarian, pacey, very tricky winger. You can see how they've got an offensive attacking threat to them, but you know we're mentioning all these attacking guys, even Eric Tommy, who I didn't even mention. 
you don't talk about much of their defensive guys. So that's where I feel like the the, the weakness lies for, for Kansas City is they can get on the board, but I don't know if they're keeping a clean sheet. So it'll be very interesting to see how Saturday goes. And then how Peter McBroke talking – wow. We'll talk about the style. Uh, Peter Vermees. Well, I read this stat, too, and it really threw me off. American manager appointed by the club in 2009. He's coached 512 matches with them, second most Ws for active coaches right now. That's an absurdly yeah, long time. But he – he has, I think, an insane amount of dirt on the front office because it's it's crazy to me that despite the downturn this club has taken, and they have been really good. They've had some great peaks, but they're in a trough right now, not making the playoffs last season. Yeah, they were missing a DP, and this season, honestly, not much better than they were last season. It's I don't know how he still has his job. I mean, he's a legend in the American coaching sphere, especially in the MLS. And he's got, obviously, like you said, you know, some of the most wins among active, co- among active coaches. But I, I feel like the fans are kind of clamoring for some change. I've seen some of that. And he's got some plot armor, man. This guy's sticking around. Yeah, they got 14th in 2022, but then they made the, they got third in 2021, and then they won in, in the shortened year for COVID. Uh, I'm sorry, they won the Western Conference. So just looking at those, and it, I guess you have one off year. If they do, don't make the playoffs again this year, I think it's it's quitting time. You'd think so. Yeah, but, so I would say, but what does he really bring out? Um, a 4-3-3, usually the style is really known for high pressing with this 4-3-3, and nothing really has changed. They're still doing that, so this is going to be a very high pressing game, and what you'd expect out of a St. Louis versus Sporting game as well. It's going to be people are flying around, energy is going to be high, and I think really that um, when he has good players, it really works. When they have bad players, they don't stick together, it really falls apart. And I think that's the high energy soccer. If you don't have everybody on the same page, it's going to fall apart, and it seems like it has been for them. Um, right now, and you have an additional thought here that their strategy is to play pretty soccer, which is keeping possession of the ball, create defensive gaps on the opposing team, pushing forward and then playing that guys in behind as well, play with width, taking long shots, control the game in the opponent's half, and be comfortable in possession with that as well. So I think that's going to be very different, and they're not going to be able to implement that against our press. On paper, this is a perfect matchup for City, and it was the last time too. It's it's going to be the polar opposite of what we just saw with Dallas. And part of that was because of the red card. But this they are not going to park the bus. They are not going to sit back. They are going to want to dismantle you as a team to generate chances. And we are going to hopefully prevent them from doing so. So we've already talked about Casey a little bit in terms of some of their strengths. Obviously, they can you know do some chance creation through some individual skill. They have some great, talented players. They're also a pretty good set-piece team, both attacking and defensively, so something to look out for there. They're number 20 right now in the MLS power rankings. And the last five at home are a loss-loss, win-draw-win. And then points per match at home are actually 1.54, so pretty solid at home. You already mentioned their home record, Justin, with a plus-eight goal differential. So let's talk about some interesting kind of quick stats on their home form. They're averaging 1.76 XG, which puts them at eighth in the league. So no problem generating chances. And they've scored 23 of their 34 goals at home. And this, you'll like this too, Justin. They're a first-half team. They're a big goal threat in the first half. So 24%. So one in four of their goals are coming in the final 15 minutes of the first half. Another 40% of those are coming to zero to 30. So this is that Carnell should literally put a task on the board is get to half, even or up. And I feel like you got most of this tucked away. Oh, I completely agree. And we're going to need to do that because if we go down early, that place is going to absolutely erupt. I hope we're going to travel well, but you know that soccer capital of America, air yeah. quotes for anybody not watching, is going to show out as well for this game specifically, even if they haven't been showing out as much this season. They have fifth most in goals um, from counterattacks and take-ons, seventh most, or sorry, sixth most shots on target, third most from distance, 
for 19 yards, taking a lot of shots. That's yep. not going to do it against Roman Berkey. Um, their second most progressive carries, third most progressive passes, fourth most in passes overall. So they do try to play that pretty style. But let's hop straight into their defense as well, Jake. Their XGA of 1.26 per 90 is second best, and 1.38 per game is pretty average. But they don't give up a ton of chances there. But at home, it's a 1.09 XGA, which is second best in the MLS, only giving up 15 of their 36 goals at home. Yeah, and they really concede whenever. It wasn't a time interval that I saw that I think we could really look to try to stick them in. Um, but they concede about at home every 78 minutes. They allow the 11th most shots on target against. They're not a big tackling team, not a big pressing team, bottom 10 in tackles, but most of their tackles do come in the middle and defensive thirds, so not a big press in the own opponent's half type team. Uh, they have the fourth least amount of clean sheets. They're playing really tight games, and goalkeeping has been above average for them. Um, so Tim Mealy has been, been between the sticks for most of their games, and he's a pretty solid American goalkeeper. So keys of the game, Justin, for, for sporting. Uh, home and away, City is the – Number six best away team in the MLS. And I think people forget that. Home team for Kansas City, they're the number 19 best home team. So it's an interesting matchup of one of the better away teams versus one of the more average, even below average, home teams. Overall, both teams have had some wins in their last five couple of games. We have three, they have two, and they've only and they've only actually lost one of their last five. But away days for us have been nor have been over the season pretty decent i think a lot of that is anchored by our beginning form and the away games earlier on in the season the soccer capital stuff is about to be awful I, i'm dreading having to hear about it on all these social media and we're just starting it i feel like even though we're a couple days out um, but i think offensively for us this is a game about engaging strategically do not m- mindlessly work 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 and press after these guys if it's not intentional and very very tactical because they're going to knock it around really easily let them do that that's fine. We are very comfortable doing that. Pick your moments, press in numbers, and it works wonders for us. We saw how it happened in May. We have the blueprint. Just go do the same exact thing. I wonder if they'll adjust. Yeah, I would completely agree. And I think the one thing that we do need to do, like you said, is this is going to be a high-energy game. We talked about these guys that aren't even from Missouri or Kansas. Like They know what a rivalry means regardless of where you are in the world. They know it's Derby Day. Thornton's going to be just as amped up as anybody that's from St. Louis or thinking about Nico and Bartlett, the Kansas City guys. I think that's going to be huge for us, but making sure we don't get our lose our legs quick. So like you said, pick your chances. And when we do, shoot often and follow up as they don't keep a lot of clean sheets. We know that. And then finish your chances. We already talked about that they have the second best XGA at home of 1.09. So we need to finish the chances we have and be lethal there. And I would say on defense, stay goal side of these wingers. Nothing easy in behind. Don't be ball watching. Stay with your runners. Get your body between them. Don't allow long shots. They take a lot of long shots. But if we do, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable about Berkey. But, I mean, yep. who knows? Someone could have a banger that he is, cannot save. Mm-hmm. Counterpress in the attacker third. In, or in the attacking third, sorry. When we're up there defensively, when one person goes, we all go. And that's the thing. We can't have someone be a step late. Otherwise, it could lead to a quick counterattack and getting us caught out and Roman having to ditch us out last effort. And then first half, get out of there with a clean sheet. Like you said, we need to be the first ones that – or we need to get to half either above or tied. And I think starting 11 for me is going to look different here too. I I'm tempted to just say you return with the 11. Nah, no, I can't. Cause there was a lot of different subs that came on, but I'm going to say based on my back four, I'm going with Markinick, obviously Birkin goal Markinick. I'm going Nielsen and Parker in the middle. I still want to see it. We're, we're, we're clamoring for it. Carnell, give it to us. And then right back, I'm going back to Akil Watts. Nothing huge, nothing bad. I would detract from from this last game for him. In the midfield, I'm going back to Leuven and Blum. I really, really struggle on Indy 
I could be swung to put Indian in place of AZ potentially to give him a little bit of rest and bring him in late game if we need to. On the left, I'm going back to Thorson. And then on the right, I'm going back to Alm. You could also see AZ, ND, Alm kind of rotate on that right side if we need to. And then up top, I think Carnell was kind of saving Joaquini last night. I know he had the shoulder thing going on. I think this is a perfect game to put him back into. He's got some rest. This has kind of got the homage back to the hometown a little bit here. I think this is a perfect game to throw him into. I completely agree. So you're starting Thorson though, because he did not start last night. Yeah, I am I starting, starting him as well. I would, and I agree. I think Indy needs to come in. I think he's shown that he's being more creative, and I think AZ needs to get hungry again. And let's take him out of the starting eleven. Let's see what he, him and Celio could do coming off the bench in the seventieth. I'm also, so, and Justin, I see your prediction here. So prediction time. I'm also going two one. I see you put two one here. I think there's going to be goals in this game. I could see there even being more. I struggled to predict it, but I I think a two one win would be phenomenal you know that they're going to be up for the challenge right they need to win this they need to get it back on the board with this rivalry having you know been absolutely receiving a drubbing in this last fixture back in may and i think they've recovered a bit since then so we'll see what they bring to us but a 2-1 win would be fantastic yeah i think it's going to be a 2-1 dub i what i was leaning to saying three but i i just i don't know i got to see who's all starting and what the lineups are but that'll also affect how we bet jake these lines threw me off city to win is plus 260 Sporting is minus 120 with a draw of plus 290. The over um, two and a half is minus 165. Vegas also thinks there's going to be goals. The under is plus 180. Jake, what are your bets? Yeah, I didn't even pull in the odds here because I was just doing this late last night after the game. But for me, I could see a couple of different things here. I think the over is going to hit in this game. We both predicted it. I don't know what the odds. You said it's minus 165. I can maybe be tempted to do an over 2.75, like an Asian handicap there and really bank on there being more than just the 2-1. Um, but that's probably where I would go is goals. I feel like goals is my prediction. And so over you know 2.5 or 2.75, I don't think minus 165 is good value for the over 2.5. So I might even be tempted to go over 3 and just push it if we hit 3. Um, but that's where my money would go. And honestly, dude, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit in the money line. You got to take the guys in this game. They're going to be amped up and ready to go. But, but Casey is rested, so I think it's a combination of rest and home is why KC is favored in this one. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think for my specific bets, you know when we get this big of a uh, of a underdog, I'm going double chance. This first place I look, us yep. to tie or win is minus 110. Love it. I think that's rude. Consider- I don't care about rest. I don't care if they're better at home. We are first in the West. They are, what, 12th? Like a, that, a minus 110 double chance, I will absolutely hammer that. And I'll put a little bit of sprinkle on the over. When we are that big of underdogs, our over one and a half goals is plus money at plus 155. That can get down to minus 150 a lot of times. So Love it. I think I'm going to take both of those pretty heavily on Saturday night. Love it. All right. Well, if you've made it this far on YouTube or on the podcast, go down, throw us a like. Do it as you can hit it as many times as you like. Think about how many times Sporting tweets out their soccer capital of America. Do the same thing, but to that like button and that subscribe button. Or if you're on the podcast, follow the show, subscribe to the show. We love having this influx of listeners. I feel like it's going to be a big, big weekend for the boys. City is heading to Kansas City for the first time in franchise history. I'm hoping it's a memorable one for the boys. You've heard our predictions, you've heard the breakdown. There's only one thing left to do here, and that is let you all go. And we will be back for a recap on Sunday, but hoping Saturday is a, is a night to remember. It's going to be a fun one. All for City. All for City. All for City.